you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and open up to the book of Ephesians, which is where we're going to focus our teaching time on today. If you're not familiar with the book of Ephesians or how to look it up, the scriptures will be on the screen. Uh, the book of Ephesians was actually written by the Apostle Paul, one of the uh, great writers of the uh, New Testament. He wrote it to a church. Uh, to try to give them instruction. And so as we look at it today, we'll actually be looking to try to gain some instruction from it as well. So today we continue this. Uh, we're part two of this series on pursuing peace in our lives. And last week we tried to create this framework for understanding what it meant to, to have peace and pursue peace. And I told you last week the passage was out of Proverbs 34, which there is no Proverbs 34. It's actually out of Psalms 34. And so, uh, so you know, we all mess up sometimes. I was writing a new part of the Bible last week. But uh, Psalms 34, verse 14 tells us this. It says, turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. And this concept of pursuing peace is foundational to our lives. Without it, you know, everything seems to fall apart. Without peace, we feel unstable, vulnerable, desperate for anything. We just feel like our life is, a, is not quite put together the right, the right way. I remember growing up as a teenager, especially as I, would, uh, I was away at college, and then I would come home for the summer, and I would go out in the weekend with my friends or times like that, and I would call my parents and be like, hey, I'll be home late. Don't stay up. And they were like, no, no, we'll, we'll wait up on you. And I'm like, no, Dad, go to bed. It's okay. I'm fine. I, you know, you don't stay up while I'm away at school. He's like, no, I'll wait. And I could not understand why my mom and dad would wait up on me, why they would stay awake until I got home, until I started having kids that started going out. And because my house just didn't feel at peace until all the pieces were back there, until everybody was back. And you just can't sleep well. You can't kind of get in that deep sleep. And the truth is, our life is like that as well. We want this peace. It is foundational to our lives. This is the reason, as we talked about last week, Jesus was referred to as the Prince of Peace. This is why the Apostle Paul, all throughout his writing, says that if you follow Christ, he will give you the peace that passes understanding. That we, we should use the peace of Christ to allow it to rule in our heart, and in doing so, it will guard our heart. It's this amazing truth that peace will lay this amazing foundation for us, which then to live everything else of our life out. And the truth is this, no matter what we try to do, no matter if we try to love people, we, we won't be able to love people the right way if we don't have peace. We won't be able to handle circumstances that come our way if we don't have peace. We won't be able to forgive people if we don't have peace. We won't be able to serve people if we don't have peace. Peace will impact our relationships with others and with God. But pursuing peace, we talked about last week, I just want to hit this for those of you who weren't here, does not mean a couple of things because it immediately, we talk about pursuit, can kind of put this feeling of guilt like, okay, I got a lot of work to do then because my life is not peaceful. So I got some work to do. Let me tell you what pursuing peace is. It's not trying to make your way to God or trying to make things right with God. We, we spent a lot of time in our sermon last week and even in our small groups this week talking about that fact that that's not what peace is. God has already made a way to us. God has already made things right with us through Christ. Pursuing peace is actually coming to peace with the idea that trusting the ways of God are right, holy, and just. And they're all that I need. That's what peace is. It's coming to peace with the idea that God's ways are perfect. His commands are flawless. His decisions and instructions for life are found in incomplete wisdom and knowledge. 
Pursuing peace is coming to peace with the idea that there is a good and gracious God and he wants good and gracious things for me. That's what we pursue. That's what we lay the tracks of in our life. And last week we talked about that we have to, to do this. We have these anchors points in our life. And we, we gave the illustration of climbing like a, you know, a climbing wall or a rock wall. And we have these anchor points that we hook into that even if we miss or we you know, don't quite hit the mark, we're still anchored in. And last week's anchor was self-control. And it was this idea of learning not to give up control of ourselves to things like worry, guilt, and bitterness, but actually learning to give up control by submitting to the truth of God. And so we're now this week talking about a different anchor. We're going to talk about another place that we hook our life into, and it is the anchor point of honesty. Honesty is another huge anchor point in our life to help us maintain peace in our life. I think if we did a little survey this morning, most people in here would say, you know what, I would characterize myself as an honest person. You know, I may tell an occasional white lie, I may bend the truth a bit or exaggerate some facts occasionally, but when it comes to the really big things, I tell the truth. I'm an honest person. I'd, I'd love to say that too. I, I know growing up, sometimes I wrestled with telling the truth. I, uh, I remember this one time, and if my mom and dad are like listening on the internet this morning, they, they know about what I'm about to say. Uh, it was like a defining point in, uh, in our relationship and in our family that we all go back to. One day I was down in that little bathroom in our house, and, uh, you know, just as an interesting or curious kid, I found some matches underneath the sink. And so I had fun. What a kid do? If you find matches, you light matches, right? So I lit a match. It smoked, and it burned out, and that was fun. I threw that one in the garbage can. I lit another one and threw it in. I just had fun lighting matches, and I left. But in about two minutes, my dad says, I smell smoke. You know, and I was... And he was like, came into the bathroom, I smelled smoke in the bathroom. And so he asked me point blank, he said, are you lighting matches in here? And I could have very easily said, yes, dad, I was. But instead, I chose to move away from the truth. And I didn't just say no. I thought it'd be wise already probably as a seven or eight-year-old to think, you know, I can't just say no. I have to give some reason. Like, no, dad, I wasn't lighting matches. But, you know, I did see some sparks coming out of the vent up here you know so I was trying to put the blame on something else and he was like you did I was like yeah you know and I was like this is good my tracks are covered well he goes tearing out of the bathroom calls 911 you know you somebody tells you sparks are coming out of your air conditioning vent means your house is probably on fire and so I'm like oh my gosh what have I done these two huge ladder trucks pull up to our house our neighbors are all out we're standing outside i am sweating profusely and uh the, the firefighters go in and what do you think the first thing they find is the matches in the trash can and so uh you know then i was brought you know patrick were you were you lighting matches and man i was fighting i was holding on to this lie as hard as i could i was like no i don't know how those got there i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> so finally it was like all right i give in it was me and uh firefighters left and it's a very memorable days for other reasons as well that day but but it was like it was one of those days i remember my dad and my mom both asking me this simple question why did you lie why did you lie and i think that's a question we all struggle with why do we lie because the truth is you know even one lie one deception one exaggeration can produce things in our life that aren't peace that was not a peaceful day Lies, deception, and dishonesty can only breed more lies, deception, 
and dishonesty. We actually can fool ourselves into thinking, well, this one little lie will actually bring me peace in my life. It'll cover my tracks. But peace, truth, and good are not born out of deceit, but they are born out of honesty. And if we are honest with ourselves, we all have at least some issue with speaking the truth. We all struggle with it. Why is the truth so difficult to speak sometimes? What makes it so eager sometimes to run from it instead of running to it? Dishonesty has a way of creeping into our lives. Statistics say, and of course statistics never lie, that the average person tells at least four lies a day. And you may be thinking, well, that's kind of low, right? <laughs> but uh, that, that would average out to about almost 1,500 a year. And you think about it, by the time you're 20, it means you told 30,000 lies. 30,000 lies. And some of these lies are very common, things that we hear all the time. And like, this is an actual study that was done that one of the most common lies is, yeah, that looks good on you. Right? Right? Never, I've never said that one. Uh, I'll be there in five minutes. Right? That's, we've all used this one. Oh, sorry, I forgot. You know, that's, uh, <clears throat> I'm sick today. I don't know that I can, uh, I don't know that I can make it. And then the number one lie we tell all the time by far is, oh, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm fine. And we, we tell ourselves that dishonesty is just easier sometimes than telling the truth. Right? I don't want to tell them that I haven't even left the apartment yet and explain why I'm running late. I'll just tell them, oh, I'm a few minutes away. And I want to tell them that I didn't actually forget. It was the fact that I didn't actually want to come and do what you asked me to do. Like, I don't want to explain that to them. And I certainly, you know, I can just say I'm fine. I don't want to actually, instead of revealing how hurt, depressed, and difficult I'm feeling right now. I mean, nobody wants to hear that, right? Walking in the street, shaking, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Instead of like, you know, I'm feeling the worst I've ever felt today. You know, that's just not how we think of we. So we just cover it with a little bit of dishonesty. Well, there's a passage in Scripture that really challenges us to evaluate this type of thinking, to evaluate whether even any dishonesty is worth embracing, to compare and contrast the impact and outcomes of embracing honesty or allowing dishonesty to flourish in our lives. And this is where I want us to spend the remainder of our teaching time today is learning that honesty is the anchor for peace in our lives. So turn, and it'll be on the screen, Ephesians 4, verses 15 and 16. I'm going to start in verse 15, and it says this. It says, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way with him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint and w- with which is it equipped, with each part is working properly, makes the whole body grow so that it builds itself up into love. This is an incredibly encouraging verse. He's like, look, if you just speak the truth, speak it in love, we're going to grow up. Things are going to start to work like they're supposed to do. Joints are going to hit together. The, the body is going to connect, and it's just going to show out, and it's going to end up with, like, love everywhere. It's an amazing, incredible verse. But this verse starts with a key word, and that key word is rather. And what basically is saying is there's also a different option we can choose, a different pathway that is not just as available to us, but that we often choose. And what is this pathway? If speaking the truth in love is a thing that we should rather do, then what is the thing that we should avoid in our lives? And to look at that, let's look at the verse just prior to this, which is verse 14. And it lays it out very clear for us. It says this, Now, no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every word of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. 
What better words to describe dishonesty? Right? Craftiness, deceit, dishonesty, this cunning. Paul, the author here, is telling us either choose, choose honesty rather than dishonesty. Choose a life, and when you do, it's going to start to work out. I just I wish I was at least wise enough and smart enough just to stop there and take this truth and, and walk home. But I'm not. I mean, I read this, and I, be, I think, yeah, that's true. But until I start to dig in and actually look at what this means, it's sometimes hard for me to put it into practice. And Paul knows here, he, he brought to light something that we all know. Each of us had this constant battle in our lives with truth and dishonesty. We have this battle to speak the truth or allow deceit to escape from our lips. To bend the truth just a bit or, bit or to actually stick to the truth. To exaggerate or to be as accurate as possible. We stroll every day with allowing what we listen to, what we read, and the people we surround ourselves either reinforce the lies in our life or start establishing beachheads of truth in our life. And it is this battle, it is this tug of war back and forth. And we think as long as I'm good in the big things of my life, as long as I'm telling the truth in the big things of my life, then these little things aren't going to trip me up. I, was, uh, I used to do youth ministry for many, many years, and we would do this camp in the summer. And one of the fun things we would do in the summer is we would get, like, the, the big youth minister guys to do tug-of-war against all the kids. And there were, like, five of us. And at the time, I probably weighed another 30, 40 pounds. I was heavier. I wasn't stronger. I was just heavier. And uh, it was, anyway, and, like, of the guys, I was probably the smallest. So we had these five guys that, like, and we got on that side. We looked pretty intimidating. And uh, we would get up and, you know, we would, like, play against the senior class. And they would try to pull us in and they couldn't get us. And then, you know, juniors all the way down. And we'd just, then we'd yank the freshmen in the pool and, you know, it'd be nothing. We always ended, though, with us against everybody. These five big guys against all these little people. And every year we lost. We lost. And, like, we would fight. we, We would come up with strategies. But here's the deal. You know, at these big truths in our life can easily be overcome by hundreds and hundreds of small little lies. And it's this battle that we face. We think, you know what? I'm not going to cheat on my wife. I'm not going to lie to my wife. I'm not going to cheat on my taxes. I'm not going to lie about this or that. The big things that I can say, no, I'm an honest person, but there's these thousands and thousands of little lies over here that are tucking us away from the truth. And this is what we battle with. It is this idea. And so what I want us to spend our time today is looking at these two, honesty and dishonesty and how they flourish in our lives. Let's start with dishonesty. What is dishonesty? At its core, dishonesty is this. It's not just telling a lie. It is a twisting of the truth. It is a manipulation of the truth. It's taking the truth and making something different from it. It isn't just telling a lie out of nowhere. It is instead using seeds of truth to make something feel right, believable, and true, but shifting it just enough so that it makes the truth better for me and worse for you. It's a manipulation. It's a twisting. It's not creating something new. It's taking something that's true and diminishing it, twisting, and manipulating it. That's what dishonesty is. It's taking this amazing truth of God and trying to make it our own and trying to make it work for me instead of allowing it to work on me. So let's look back at verse 14 here and see how Paul has described what dishonesty is. He says, No longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by what? Every wind of doctrine, 
by human cunning, and by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So there's three things he lays out here in this passage that move us toward dishonesty, that makes dishonesty show up in our lives. And the first one is this. It's fooling ourselves. When Paul mentions that every wind of doctrine here, he's basically talking about where we look to for truth. Instead of looking to one source, the creator of truth, we start looking for any truth, the truth that best fits us. That's any wind of doctrine, anything. Somebody says, hey, let me tell you what's true. And they speak it, and you agree with it, and now you make that your truth. We become easily fooled. Some new truth comes along, and we jump on it and make it the truth in our lives. We can fool ourselves by embracing faulty belief systems that are based on lies. Think that we think are doing us good, but actually in the background, they're eroding our life. It's like a, it's like a virus on a computer. Right? It comes in, and it starts to work. Like it works in the background. It doesn't shut down your system completely. It just starts taking information that's beneficial for somebody else and sending it to them. Keeps you working just enough, but to erode away the most valuable parts of your life. When we go in search of truth, we often find lies masquerading as truth. Truth doesn't have to be found. It's already been revealed in Christ. It's not hidden. It's not covered up. It has been revealed. And you know what? We can also get fooled another way. We can get fooled when we actually don't like the source that is speaking the truth. You ever had that? You're like, I don't respect that person, but man, what they said was true. But it's hard for me to receive it. It's hard for me to let that in because of my view of that person. And that's another way that we are easily fooled because we're actually hearing the truth, but we're discounting it because of the source that it's coming from. Truth is not determined by its source. Truth is truth. Even when people that we don't respect, even the people that don't live up to it, speak it. So we're often fooling ourselves is one way that dishonesty shows up. Another way that dishonesty shows up is in the deception of others. When Paul mentions here about human cunning, he is talking about the ability to deceive other people. To take the truth, manipulate it, and use it for our own personal gain. Deception is when we try to create a false reality. For others through lies, dishonesty, in such a way as we try to influence and impact their decision-making. I mean, you probably get these every day, you know, scam emails, phone calls, you know, these things that are just fishing for information or trying to trick you, trying to create a different reality that will make you think, okay, this is that. I had a friend who uh, one time they were, they were on the phone and came calling me. They came running into me. They were in tears. The IRS was on the phone, and they were saying that the police were on the way to this home to pick them up because she had not paid her taxes. And I was like, this just doesn't sound right. And I got on the phone and I started talking to them and it was a scam, a complete scam. I mean, they were trying to get her to go down to the CVS and buy gift cards and then give her the gift card numbers to pay off her tax debt. And I was like this, and I was like, please don't go to CVS. It's uh, please don't do that. But it's this idea. It was somebody had taken a little kernel of the truth, twisted it and created this deception of others. And when we do this, we're actually moving people away from the primary source of truth and making them dependent upon a counterfeit of fraud. And there's nothing Christ-like about this. The last thing that he says here is then when we use craftiness and deceitful schemes, and this is when we actually lie to produce a different outcome. We just outright lie. Somehow when we mold the truth to avoid or aggravate or manipulate the outcome of a circumstance, we lie to avoid punishment, to blame someone else for, their, for what we did. 
We act ignorant to avoid responsibilities, or we actually set traps for others to make their mistakes look worse than ours. I, I remember when PJ was very young, and actually were part of this uh, truth and lesson began to play out in our lives as parents, was uh, Katie had them at the store, and they were leaving. And as they were leaving, Nat, PJ was probably three, Natalie was one. She was in a, you know, one of those car carrier things. And PJ, from the back seat, tells Katie, oh, look at what Natalie got from the store. And it was a pack of baseball cards. And, like, they were, like, tucked in her little car holder. And immediately Katie's like, you know, I don't think she was strapped in. I don't think she could have reached out, like, three, you know, things over and grabbed these cards and put it in there. And so she got, PJ, did you do that? No, it had to be Natalie. But I'll take them. I like baseball cards, you know. And uh, it was this idea of, like, immediately this is lying and creating opportunities where you're putting the blame on somebody else. I use that, but we've all done that. Everybody in here, we could stand up and tell stories about how we have done this. We scheme not for good, but for evil. Why do we do this? Why do we embrace dishonesty? It sounds evil. It sounds bad. We're like, man, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be defined by that. I'd like to avoid it. But we've been fooled by counterfeit truths before. We've deceived others for our own benefit, and we've lied to try to create an outcome and Why does that happen? Why do we do that? I can speak from my life. I think there's two reasons that have shown up in my life repeatedly, and and maybe you'll see these in yours as well, as why we do this. One is fear. Fear. When I evaluate my life, I often give in to dishonesty when I fear what's going to happen in my life. I fear past failures. I fear present circumstances. I fear future consequences, and I get afraid of the truth and what it might hold for me, and instead of embracing it, I run from it. And I think truth is actually the thing that will bring me the most harm. I get fearful. The second thing, though, that brings dishonesty in my life is frustration. Frustration. I struggle with being dishonest when I get frustrated. I either act out of self-preservation or self-promotion. Someone's trying to hurt me, and so I'm going to lie to create a wall. Or someone's not giving me the credit that I deserve, so I'm going to exaggerate my story, make myself look better, and do things to make them look bad. It boils down often to fear and frustration. So why don't we just do this then? Like if it's just, if it's fear, frustration, what's the harm? So if, so what if I manipulate situations? What if, what if I'm a self-promoter? Nobody else is promoting me. If I lie to protect myself, nobody else is protecting me. Even if it brings harms to others, it actually protects me. Can I tell you what that is? That's a lie in itself. There's a great Proverbs in the Bible, it's Proverbs 12, 19 through 22 that, that does this. And we're going to read it right quick and then just grab some things out of it. It says this, Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Deceit is in the heart of those who desire evil, but those who plan peace have joy. No ill befalls the righteous, but the wicked are filled with trouble. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. When you embrace this honesty, let me tell you what it actually produces in your life. It produces wanting in our life. Where it says it's just for a moment. It's fleeting. A lie covers for a moment, but then it's gone. And you're exposed again. Lies breed more lies. It produces evil in our life. My life becomes more of a deception than truth. I plot evil in ways to keep the deception going. Lies produce trouble in my life. Trouble is always near me. I'm waiting to be exposed. I'm waiting for that phone call to come that exposes me or that text. Be like, I found you out. We just constantly live with this trouble. And then it produces animosity in our life. 
creates distance between me and others and God and even my true self. And I grow in anger and animosity toward people. Let me just give you a key thought here of what dishonesty really does. Dishonesty creates a life we are always having to be on guard. Where we have to defend our version of the truth. And there is no peace in that. There's no peace. So let's flip the coin right quick and talk about honesty then. What is honesty? If dishonesty is twisting the truth, honesty is actually revealing the truth. It is allowing truth to speak for itself. We don't have to add anything to it. We don't have to make it better. We don't have to defend it. It is simply true. Honesty isn't creating truth, but just making the truth known in our life. And this is what Ephesians 4.15 tells us. Rather, speak the truth in love. And as we are growing up in every way into him who is head of the church. And three things that it says here. When honesty prevails in our lives, here's what we allow. We allow truth to be expressed, to speak it. We don't hide it. Sometimes we get scared of the truth. We think we have a better version of it. But honesty says, let truth shine. Let it shine. Let it bring light to the circumstance, issue or trial, whatever you're going through. When we commit to letting truth be expressed, we stop carrying the burden of trying to create truth ourselves. Second thing is it allows truth to be encouraging. It says speak the truth in love, right? Well, sometimes I'll be very honest with you. Truth can hurt, but it can also be used to bring hope and encouragement. The pain that we often receive with, with, uh, with, with truth is not as debilitating as the pain of lies. Even if truth brings hurt and pain, it's a pain that brings healing. It's a pain that moves us into a more healthy place. You know, I'd much rather get a proper diagnosis from a doctor than a lie, an inaccurate, dishonest one. Because then I can start the treatment of moving back toward health. Truth isn't a tool that we use to bring pain and suffering, but it's a tool we use to bring hope and healing. And then it says we use it to grow. And so when we embrace honesty, we allow truth to be exercised in our life. Truth isn't just a tool for hope and healing. It's also a tool for growth. When we want to start to allow truth to take root in our life, it produces fruit. And let me tell you what that fruit is. It is wisdom. Wisdom. We start to understand ourselves better. We start to understand our motives, our fears, and how our jaded perspectives can be redeemed as they align with the truth. We start taking off this mask of thinking who we were and living under a different truth, and we start just living as God designed us to be. Truth doesn't destroy who we are, but it reveals who we were designed to be. So how do we do this in our life? If fear and frustration move us to, toward dishonesty, I think as I look at my life, there's been a couple things that have moved me toward honesty. And the first one is this. It's accountability. It's when I invite God and other disciples of his to speak truth into my life. It's when I meditate on his word, when I fill my life with the word of God, when I memorize scripture, when I discover truth revealed in the life of Christ Accountability happens when I walk through this life with a brotherhood or sisterhood of other disciples that have freedom to hold me accountable for my commitments to speaking truth and to living truthfully. Accountability. I want to be very honest with you. I can't be honest without accountability. I need it. But the second thing I need is this, is encouragement. Encouragement. It's when I find hope in the fact that even in my brokenness, even in my dishonesty, God is faithful. God is faithful. 
I won't be perfect, but God's love and peace are not based on my perfection, but on his truth. I can find encouragement in the fact that I'm not the only one on this journey. I'm not the only one struggling in this area. My life is filled with people who are struggling in this area. History is filled with people who have struggled with being honest and have used encouragement and accountability to step past it. So what happens in my life when truth wins? If we go back over to Proverbs 19.22 here, there, Proverbs 19-22, it, it flip-flops here, right? So it's, it told us some specific things about dishonesty, but it also tells us things about truth. Look quickly again. It says, truthful lips endure forever, but the lying tongue is for a moment. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but those who plan peace have joy. No ill befalls the righteous, but the wicked will be filled with trouble. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. When truth rules in my life, it produces different things than dishonesty did. Here's what it produces. It produces fulfillment in my life. My life is fulfilled. Lasting contentment and hope are there because I'm not the source of that contentment. I don't have to create the reality that I can be content in. I'm content in whatever reality I live in. It also produces joy in our life. True joy blossoms in my life day to day to day. I can find joy even in pain and suffering as easy as I can find joy in happiness and blessing. It also produces perfect protection in my life. I'm not having to defend my version of the truth. Instead, truth is defending me. I rely on the strength of the Lord and his promises. And finally, it produces intimacy in our lives. My connection to God is no longer distorted. My distance from myself and others evaporates as truth is embraced. And here's a, just a great thought to hold on to today. Honesty creates a life where truth is our guard. Honesty is our best source of protection. And that's what gives us complete peace. It's why this is an anchor point for peace. I want to close this week by sharing with you a couple of ways that I have tried to teach myself, teach my kids, and teach other people to hold on to this thought. Last week we talked about with self-control that the key principle was that a right attitude determines right action. And there's one that I have found that just helps me hold on to this, that when I feel myself moving toward dishonesty or being tempted to speak dishonestly or act dishonestly, I go back to this key principle in my life. There's an anchor point, and it's this. Truth is always the best thing to say. If you go on in Ephesians 4, it even says this. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as what is good for building up and fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. I don't want corrupting talk coming out of my mouth. Words that will corrupt my perspective of truth or corrupt my own heart, corrupt my relationship with God and others, and ultimately corrupt the peace in my life. But just as I say here, truth is always the best thing to say, I also want to say this. It doesn't always mean that it needs to be said. Sometimes we don't have to speak. Sometimes the wisest thing we can do is keep our mouth shut. You don't have to point out. I mean, we've all been around those people, haven't we? They're like, they're just, you know, let me tell you what this, let me tell you what this. And I'm like, all right, I, I know my faults. You don't have to point out every one of them to me every time we're together. Like, we, we don't have to speak it. And that verse even says that. Only do so for what is building up, what is fitting for the occasion, to give grace to those who hear. So I don't want to speak corruption, 
But sometimes I don't, I'm it's okay not to speak the truth if it's not right for the occasion, if it's not going to build up, if it's not going to bring grace to those who hear. When I need to speak, though, I want to only speak truth. But then there's also a key action that I've learned to take in my life, and it's this. When I embrace dishonesty, when I fail, I need to be eager to admit and ask. I need to be immediately to do these things, to admit and ask questions, why did I do this? Admitting dishonesty is the first step to actually embracing honesty once again. I lied. I deceived you. I tried to trick you. That's honesty coming out of my lips. That's actually speaking the truth and the right occasion to bring healing back together. But also take time to evaluate with yourself, with God, and with others as to why you lied. Why did I deceive Why was I being deceptive? Understanding the why is the first step to not repeating your step toward dishonesty. It's not enough just to admit, hey, I lied. But ask the question and have others ask the question, why? Is it fear? Is it frustration? What is it with some other influence in your life that was pushing you toward this? My question for you today is this. Where is dishonesty robbing your peace in your life? Where's it stealing your peace? What attitude in your life, what sin in your life, what animosity in your life are you allowing to continue based on a lie, based on deception, or based on some false doctrine that we've chosen to believe? Will you admit today to God, to yourself, and even to maybe to somebody else that you're dishonest? I'm a liar. I lie. I cheat, I steal, I deceive, I'm deceptive sometimes. Will you admit that? And then through that, allow God's truth, the real truth, to come into your change and move this dishonest heart into a heart that begins to flourish and produce honesty and love that leads to peace. Let's pray together.